Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Hey, we haven't done this in a while, so I thought we'd knock the rust off. And uh, let's just try this. I know this is out of the box. And for some of you, you're like, ah, what's going on here? But we're going to read this scripture out loud together. Okay, so rather than internalize it, let's get it coming out of our mouth and let's fill up the atmosphere with the words of a living God this morning. So I will lead you. We're reading from the New King James Version Bible on this particular scripture. And so everybody reading together, ready? Here we go. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Well, that's not bad for, you know, a year plus, but let's see if we can do it one more time and let's take it up a little bit of a notch. Now that we've got a little bit of grease on the wheels and we know, okay, that's not as awkward as I thought. Let's do it one more time. Say it from deep, declare it as the truth of God's word. Everybody together, here we go. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. What a wonderful prayer. If you stop and just kind of close your eyes and let that sink in, isn't that really at the base of what every person on the face of the earth wants? They want to prosper. They want to have good health. And they want, you know, things from the inside out. They don't just want to prosper on the outside and have good health, but they're miserable on the inside. They want everything to be moving in the right direction. What a wonderful prayer. And if you happen to be a Christ follower, which most, maybe all of you are, um, this, is a, this is the heart and the character. And I'm going to go as far as to say a promise of our Heavenly Father. And by the way, that shouldn't be shocking either because what parent doesn't want this for their children? What parent doesn't close their eyes and imagine a life for their kids actually better than the one they came from, even if they came from a great life? They want to take it up another notch and give their children opportunities and give their children, you know, the advantages to be able to enjoy a life that is prospering and in health, not just on the outside, but from the inside to the outside. And so it's important that we kind of get that settled into us this morning because we're going to start a brand new series called Let's Talk About Wellness. And one of the reasons we've been looking at this for a while, and one of the reasons that we wanted to bring it up um, is because as we come out of these COVID restrictions and you see it kind of, you know, rippling across the country, different levels, different stages and different states and, and communities, But as we come out of this and the masks, you know, are not as regular, maybe not at all. The social distancing is not as important, uh, maybe not important at all. And we start to find uh, back into our regular routine. Here's what we're starting to see in some of the discussions and and the articles that are being put out is people are beginning to realize that the effects of COVID were wider spread than they thought. For some of them, they're realizing, oh, this impacted me in, in ways that I hadn't considered. You know, for some, it impacted them emotionally, the disconnection, and others, it impacted them mentally, you know, just the isolation and the wondering, how long is this going to go, and how serious is this, and are there other pandemics that are right behind this coming? And, and some people, it, it, it impacted them relationally, right? You were so excited, oh, our family gets to spend more time together, and then you get a little ways into it, our family's spending way too much time together, and you're trying to figure out how to navigate that, Right? And so all of these things are happening. Well, as a believer, we kind of kick it up another notch. 
Because if we're paying attention, we read in scriptures and say, ah, Jesus talked about this. Jesus actually told his disciples that when we get closer to the end, we're going to see lots of different pandemics. And it's not just going to be one and then, you know, a couple of decades, but we'll see them start coming in these waves and they'll impact us. I'm not saying they'll have the same impact that we just experienced, but we'll see lots of things happening around the world. Not just that, but we're going to see some impact in our, in our economies. We're going to see the economies of the world begin to shift. And if you're paying attention, the articles are starting to whisper about inflation that's right around the corner. And we're starting to talk about, you know, how does this affect the job market and how do we balance some of the social services with the actual employment opportunities and make sure that one doesn't outweigh the other. And all of these things Jesus talked about as being part of the last days. So as a Christian, here we are coming out of COVID and we're recognizing, ah, oh, we got some stuff we got to work on. But then we look forward and think, oh, but man, maybe this isn't the end because maybe we're just going to see this. How do you find and a balance how do you begin to still have a great outlook in life and say our best days are still ahead when from every angle you look, there's something that can be identified as pretty grim, pretty discouraging. And so we're, we're going to look at some things today and we're going to talk about this particular, uh, particular topic of wellness. And, uh, and here's the goal for the next five weeks. Okay, We're, we're going to study this from a biblical point of view. We're going to discover what, what is God's real intent I mean, stated, clear, and consistently, how does God really feel about this area, especially in light of everything that's going on in the world and everything that he knows better than anybody else that's coming? And, and what, what are the promises that God's made us? But here's the other things we don't often look at, at least not enough, not just the promises, but what is the purpose of health and wellness? How, why did God give us this? How is it supposed to be used and invested and not only that, what are the parameters that the Bible says? That if you get into excess, if you over or misuse it in any direction, what are the consequences of that, of that really look like? And so we're, we're not in a real hurry, by the way. And so we're, we're going to take about five weeks to do this. We're only going to cover it super broadly. We'll have some other stuff going on in the middle of the week. If you want to look deeper, if you want to talk more, if you want to you know, put some things in action, we'll give you some helps to be able to do that. But on Sundays, or the weekends rather, we're just going to talk very broadly. And so we're not going to get in a hurry. We're going to look at a lot of scripture, not deep study. But I want you to see that there are tons and tons of scriptures, Old Testament to New, where God keeps talking about this. In fact, one, one, uh, one research study said that if you were to look at the sermons of Jesus, one-third of them, one-third of the time, one out of every three times he said, hey, listen, guys, I want to talk to you about something. He's talking about time, talent, and treasure and how wellness, wellness issues come into the life of a, of a kingdom individual, of a, someone who's following him. And so it's really important we look at this. So we're going to unscramble some misconceptions because I don't know about you, but this was kind of a journey for me to understand what I believe is the Bible balance and what we're going to look at. And, uh, and we're going to identify, so what is Bible wellness and what does that even mean to us as a Christian? Well, today's title of the study then is Understanding Wellness. And the greatest place to start is for us to just kind of grab the topic uh, overall. So when we say the word wellness... It's an interesting word because it's pretty new uh, to, to our vernacular. It's not really been part of the cultural buzz, you know, until, I don't know, less than a decade, something like that. Uh, but it's one of those words when you hear it, you think, yeah, I know exactly what that means. Until somebody says, explain it. And then you're like, uh, and you realize, I don't know if I know what it means as good as I should know what it means. 
And so I kind of went looking around saying, well, where's a good dictionary uh, or a good definition of this? And I found a great article by uh, a lady named Debbie Stowen. And here's how she explains what wellness is all about from an article called Dimensions of Wellness, Change Your Habits, Change Your Life. Now listen to this. She writes, people often think about wellness in terms of physical health, nutrition, exercise, weight management, etc. But it's so much more. Wellness is a holistic integration of physical, mental, and spiritual well-being, fueling the body, engaging the mind, and nurturing the spirit. Let me just stop. If you're a Bible reader, a Bible studier, you might listen to that and think, wow, that's what God said about spirit, soul, and body, that he wants us to be doing well, spirit, soul, and body. We'll actually read that scripture in a couple minutes. Okay, let me go on. It says, although it always includes striving for health, it's more about living life fully. Once again, Bible readers are like, wait a minute, isn't that what Jesus said in John 10, 10? We'll read that scripture a little bit, that he wants us to live life to the full. So here we go, secular article <clears throat> says it's about living life, uh, living life fully and is both a lifestyle and personalized approach to living life in a way that allows you to become the best kind of person that your potential circumstances and fate will allow. If you're paying attention at all, you're like, that sounds like Psalm chapter one, that if we will walk in and in, in find our rhythm and find the pattern that God laid out for us, then our lives are going to be flourishing and, and producing. And boy, that sounds an awful lot like that. Well, she keeps going and she unpacks this a little later in the article uh, and she goes even farther and she says this, wellness encompasses eight mutually interdependent dim dimensions. Now, remember that term, mutually interdependent. In other words, they're not just kind of in cubicles, but these things weave themselves and they, they spawn and they ebb and they flow to help e each other. So eight in mutually interdependent dimensions, physical, intellectual, emotional, social, spiritual, vocational, financial, and environmental. Attention must be given to all of the dimensions as neglect to anyone over time will adversely affect the others and ultimately one's health, well-being, and quality of life. Listen to this last statement in this part of the article. She said, they do not, however, have to be equally balanced. That's a really important concept, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, is that you understand that a balanced life is not kind of getting your schedule set up in just the perfect routine and then saying, okay, nobody move because this just works for me. So nobody change anything, nobody mess with anything. Uh, just, just, let's just go right here. And let me tell you why, because life never works that way. Life is organic. It's constantly moving up and down. You constantly got challenges and victories and changes and transitions and moving. So the idea of balance is better understood as riding a seesaw. And so you want this ebb and this flow. You want the seesaw to be nice and smooth and just to keep going at a really good rhythm. If you get stuck in one position, that's when things start breaking down. But there needs to be this ebb and this flow, this give and this take, and that's what creates this mutually interdependent relationship in all of these areas that make up our spirit, soul, and body that God wired us together. Now, that's a big concept but it's important you kind of hold on to that because in the weeks to come, we'll unpack it more and you'll understand why this is really important. Now, here's what's really interesting as I read this article. Again, I highlighted a few things so they didn't you know, escape your attention. But if you're reading this, here's a conclusion you can come to just by this article. But let me tell you, it's true with most 
even of the secular definitions, is that they're largely in sync with Bible truth. You, you look and you think, that's what the Bible says. And that's what the secular, professional, academic communities, that's what they're coming to the realization what wellness actually is. And the reason that's good to see is because it validates the fact that if, if we're saying the same thing broadly and by and large, and God was here first, then it's kind of an obvious conclusion, well, wellness must be God's idea. And in fact, it is. He's pretty upfront about it. But wellness is actually God's idea. And for many Christians, that's a really important thing to to sink in. Because if you can get that at the baseline of your understanding, that you're not trying to talk God in to wellness. You're not trying to beg him to say, would you please just help us to have enough resources? Would you please just help me to have enough energy and help me to have enough you know, healing in my body and in my marriage and my relationship? Would you help me? You're not begging him for anything. This was his idea. This is his plan. It's at the heartbeat of who he is. This is how he lives. This is how he talks. And certainly this is how this heavenly father wants his children to live and talk. And again, it's consistent all the way through the Bible. So when we're talking about wellness, any of the dimensions of wellness, you don't have to beg God. And you don't have to wonder, was God really want that for me? The answer is absolutely yes, resoundingly clear, inarguably, if you're going to base your concepts on scriptural concepts. We're going to look at some of those things, right? So, so not only that, but if, if we go with that and we realize, well, if wellness is God's idea, and once again, God was here first, then here's another connection that we can make as we move away from the spiritual part of us and we move towards the emotional and the physical part of us. We need to understand that when we're out in the professional community, and I'm a real big proponent of being out in the professional community as well, when we're out in the professional community, anything that we receive that has an impact, positive impact, and is long-lasting, all of that can be traced back to the Word and the wisdom of God. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. It's not like, wow, they're so smart. and <laughs> that Well, they are, but that was a gift of God. That, that was the wisdom of God helping to see how it works out in some of these practicals, all coming back to wellness. I want you to see that again because wellness is God's idea. Wellness is God's plan. It didn't come from just some person, some academic, some institution. This came straight from the heart of God. Let me just read you a couple of scriptures. Acts chapter 17 says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in buildings made by hands. No one needs to care for him as if he needed anything. Listen to this. He's the one who gives life and breath and everything to everyone. I don't care how deep you want to study the original languages. Everything to everyone means everything to everyone. Everything. Nothing's left out. Let me give you one more in John chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. It says he, this is talking about Jesus. He made all things. Nothing was made without him making it. Life began by him. And listen to this. His life was the light for men. That means that not only did everything come from him and originate from him, but any light, anything that turns the lights on, any insight, any discovery, any provable standard that we can experience out in the health, the professional community, anything and all of that originated from him. All of it. And listen, you you can go as a Bible scholar 
And you can take any academic approach, any training, and again, if it's positively effective and long-lasting, you can just follow the trail backwards and you'll end up writing the Word of God. It's like, oh, that was God's idea. Well, so here's the big question then. If there's such a similarity, such a sync between God's plan and therefore the Christian community and what's going out in the secular definition of wellness and the professional community, then why does it seem so compartmentalized all the time? How come there's not this mutual interdependence? Why does it seem like, well, you know, but that's what they said in church, but I need to go and see what's really going on. Why is that? Why is there such a discount even to the point of conflict? Christians and and secular people not even sure, you know, secular people not sure if you should be in church and be engaged, and Christians not sure if you should engage in professional services out there. We should just depend totally on God. Why is there such a conflict? Well, listen, the article continues, so let 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 me help with this. She continues right again. She's talking about all eight dimensions have to be equally balanced, or not all eight dimensions have to be equally balanced. She says, we should aim instead to strive for personal harmony that feels the most authentic to us. Now, if you're listening with spiritual ears, you got a little hint right there. Uh, wait a minute. It kind of sounds right, but something just has a little bit of an off, like a sour note there. But then we keep reading. We naturally have our own priorities, our own approaches, our own aspirations, including our own views of what it means to live life fully. And you're like, ah, and therein lies the age-old contradiction. Our will, our priorities, our approach, our aspirations, and our views of what life to the full really is supposed to look like versus God's idea, his original design, the laws and the principles that he set up to govern that design, and there's the dispute. But it's not just like in this culture today. You can see it intensifying. But if you go all the way back to Genesis, we find, you know, in Genesis 1 and 2, things were just going marvelously smooth until Genesis 3, and this serpent slithers into the, to, to the garden, and we know that he's, he's, he was the enemy. And he starts whispering stuff like, hey, did God really say that? This really would, I mean, look, you got all these trees and you just can't eat of that one right there. What's the big deal? Did God really say that? And he's like, what? God said you would die if you ate of it. You're not going to die. I mean, not like die, die. You're not going to really die. In fact, if you put yourself in the position where you get to choose what real good and evil looks like, what's the best for you? What are you really going to want to experience? I mean, you only live once. So what's life really going to look like so you can enjoy your best life? What does that really look like? See, he starts putting these things in their mind, and we know that Adam and Eve took the bait, and they ended up sinning. And because of that, it sets off this chain and reaction that every single human being from that point on, including you and I, every single human being wrestles with this. We wrestle with with this desire on the inside, even if we're followers of Christ, to know exactly what the Bible says, but we're pulled to, yeah, but but, but, but here's how I see it. Here's my perspective, or, but this is my approach. Yeah, but I got something going on right now, and, and you just need to know once I get past this, then, you know, but until then, I just need to, and we've got our own perspectives and our own viewpoints, which, by the way, in the history of mankind, both secular and sacred, those never work out well, ever. 
ever, ever. All they do, we think that this is the right way. In fact, Proverbs actually said, there's a way that seems like it's the right way. I mean, you're like just determined, this is it. This is the way to do it. But if that way doesn't line up with God's way, that, that way ends in destruction, ends in disappointment, ends in all of these challenges that God never intended. And you're like, why are you doing this to me? He's like, I ain't doing nothing. I had a great plan. In fact, we come all the way back to the book of Genesis again in chapters one and two, and God sets this beautiful, perfectly formed, brand new married couple in a paradise environment. All of their needs are met, not just barely, in abundance. They've got a fulfilling, challenging role that every day they get up and they go to work and they're so fulfilled at the end of the day. There's such great harmony and communication. They're not embarrassed about anything. They're not ashamed of anything. They can talk up openly. They are literally not just marital partners. They're best friends. And they're loving this. And it's working for them because wellness was God's plan. Listen, still is. Still is. Nothing's changed. The world's changed. And all of the effects of sin has changed and has changed every person, but God's plan has never changed, and you have to understand that. Let me give you a few more examples so we're going to keep getting the Word of God in your heart so you can say, I'm not making this stuff up. John 10.10, I've referenced it once already. Jesus is talking. He said, there's a thief, and he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but let me tell you why I came. This is my whole purpose. I came so that you can have life And not just have life, but you can live it to the fullest potential. This was the original plan. This is the heart of the Father for His children. This is why I came. Listen to Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God's talking. He says, Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Again, what good father doesn't talk like that to his kids? But this is God talking directly to us. I've already referenced it, and we don't have time to look at it this morning, but Psalm 1 is just this great analogy of when a person chooses to go with God's plan rather than their own preferences, their own aspiration, their own approach. If they trust the Lord and say, ah, I don't really want to do that, but you're smarter than me, and I'm going to go your direction, the Bible said their life ends up getting intentionally planted in a set of soils or a set of beliefs that pushes their roots all the way down and taps into this beautiful river, uh, running stream and they draw up all the refreshment. And while all of the other trees are suffering the drought, their leaves are green and lush and they bear fruit at the right time in their season. Not all the time, not like 24-7, 365, but they bear fruit at the right time in the right season. Their life is producing exactly what it's supposed to. And these are the things that the Bible is clear and consistent. Now, which leads us to the next thing, and this is where we're going to land for the rest of the, of the time. If that's true, if the Bible's clear and consistent, and God's abundantly just over and over made his heart clear and his character clear and his promises clear, how come even in the Christian community, wellness is so confusing? How come even in the Christian community, people just can't even have a conversation without getting on two sides of the issue? And what does God really think? And and where's God in all of this? And what's my responsibility? And and how do we act? Is that even really a thing? Or can we, do we just dream about it? And one day when we get to heaven, then we're going to get to enjoy the thing, but we can't enjoy the thing here. And, and, And we don't see that in the Bible. But I'll give you three broad reasons why that it's such a conflict even in the Christian community, I'm guessing, uh, perhaps in your own mind, I know it was in mine and I had to work through this. The first one is this, uh, we don't really fully, as Christ followers, 
we haven't learned to really fully value and appreciate the various roles that God has ordained, by the way, that are dedicated to our wellness. We really don't understand that. Every time we go through a study that's super practical and super broad like this and kind of covers the gamut of humanity, you know, one of these big issues, I get asked a certain question. Pastor Gil, how, how come we come to church and everything seems to come back to the same thing? Read your Bible, talk to God, do what the Word, do what the Bible says, you know, just over and over. When are we going to get really practical? Well, listen, we, we're trying to be relevant and we want to put some practical stuff in here. But, but let me just be really upfront with you, okay? Um, my job as a pastor is to help you to understand the spirituals, right? And especially that, that upgrades when I know I'm going to stand in front of Jesus one day and he's going to say, hey, I want to talk about how you talk to your congregation because I had a great plan and I wish you'd have stuck with that plan. Well, he's not going to say that to me. I can promise you that. But not only that, if we're just looking at Scripture, we see things like what Jesus said in this Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6.33, and he said, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or the right way to do it according to his plan, listen, everything else will be added to you. Everything else. It's that same everything where it's everything was made by him. Everything was given by him. All of the light, all of the insight, everything comes back to him. Everything else. And if you don't believe the context is super practical, just go, you know, thumb up a couple of verses and read. He's talking about stuff that was like everyday needs. The stuff that we're working on, you know, getting paychecks for. Because we want to live in a house and we like to have some clothes and it's fun to eat once in a while. And, and those, I mean, those real practical things. He said, listen, seek God first and understand his right way to do these things and to live and everything else will just come adding to you. Which, by the way, is going to be a theme we're going to track with. Because understanding and living in God's plan for wellness is not really about striving and struggling and, you know, and, and strategizing. It's mostly about surrender. It's mostly about coming to grips with the fact that God's smarter than me. God's God. And he's the source. And not only that, he's a, he's a heavenly father that in his integrity looks his children in the eye and says, listen to me, I promise you. Look at me. You can depend on me. I'm not one of those absentee fathers. I'm not one of those dads who makes big promises and never follow through. Look me in the eyes. Listen to me. You can, you can count on me. If I didn't want to do it, if I wasn't able to do it, I wouldn't have said it. But I said it. I will move heaven and earth to do what I promised you to do. Now, see, that's the kind of confidence that we're looking to have and that he asked for. And when we do that, everything else works. By the way, you, you get this, right, when you go to, your, to, your, to the other professionals out there. If you went to your, you know, your healthcare physician, to your doctor, and uh, you said, hey, listen, I got this going on with my body or, or this happening. And they said, yeah, yeah, that's good. But I noticed a little knock in your engine when you ro rolled up. And they spent the next half an hour talking to you about the mechanics of your car. You'd be like, hey, that's cool and everything, but what about this cough? What about this, you know, what, what I'm feeling over here? What about, when are we going to talk about that? Or if you went to your counselor and you're looking for, you know, for him to talk about some mental, some emotional, maybe some relational issues, and instead he diverted you to why some certain sports team seems to be, you know, the one that keeps going. And it's, it doesn't make any sense. You'd be frustrated. You'd be looking for a new recommendation quick. But it's interesting that we come to church 
And because in the culture at large, sometimes they want more philosophy, they want more psychology, they want more. And and I'm not saying those things aren't bad. We try to infuse them when we can. But our number one job is to be spiritual. Now, when you can appreciate different roles uh, for, for the health community, starting with the spiritual component, then you also have to factor in what we just looked at a few minutes ago. There's this man's will and man's approach versus God's will and God's approach factor. So I'm sad to say you can even go to some churches today. They are not promoting the word of God. They're giving you a worldview. They're giving you a philosophical view. They're giving you a kind of a fun, inspirational insight, but they're not coming back to the basis of scripture, which is what will give you that meaty, substantive faith that you can trust God and walk forward. That's what, that's what this, so you have to measure that. Same thing with counselors. Counselors are great. Man, I'm a real, real pro, you know, in the multitude of counsel, you'll find safety, you'll be able to develop a strategy and win a war, but I'm not pro-counselors if that's not a Christ-centered, Bible-based counselor. Because they'll just lead you off into some world philosophy, and you'll get more tangled up than you were before. So that's another reason why. We, we have to be discerning. We can't just go to a pastor or just go to a healthcare professional. We, we have to also go to someone who we believe has a fundamental, moral, Bible base, even if they're not a confessing Christian. This is really, really important. But here's the third one, and this is where we're going to park it for the day. The third one is because we've, we've been around long enough on the earth for this to become such a confusing area that there's literally wrong teaching that's out there. It's popular. You can find podcasts, you can find YouTube video clips, and people are teaching just wrong stuff. It's like, what are you talking? Are you even reading your Bible or are you reading the whole Bible? Because I know you're reading this little part and you're building a whole belief system, a whole theology on that. But there's wrong teachings and, 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 then, and then there's a balanced right teaching. And we're going to try to work through a couple of those today. Today we're going to look at two ditches on either side of this road to wellness. Um, and both of these ditches I kind of had to, to find my way out of with the Holy Spirit's help. I'm so grateful. But two different ditches. And so let me just kind of dive into ditch number one. Ditch number one would be summarized something like this. Wealth and personal health are not promised and not kind of a guaranteed provision by God. Now, let me tell you why it's personal to me. I was never taught this growing up. I grew up in church, but I was never taught this. But I kind of learned this from what seemed to be modeled around me. And I got this idea that if you were really going to be a serious, devoted follower of Christ, you just need to recognize the fact that you're going to be poor, you're going to be super boring, and you're probably going to be overweight. Because the only thing that's not a sin is to eat as much as you can all the time. And so I, I get older and I'm like in high school and I'm like in college and I'm starting to really contemplate, you know, my adult Christianity. And not only that, I had this little inkling down inside of me like, I, I, think, I think God might be talking to me about doing this for, a, you know, vocationally. Like this is my full-time gig, right? And I'm thinking, that's not going to happen. Because even if I could regulate to being poor and boring and out of shape. I want to get married someday, and I ain't dragging my family through that. This was my honest conversation with God. And I cannot tell you how freeing it was to realize, oh, that's not God's plan at all. God's got a phenomenal plan for wellness. 
God wants his children to be healthy and prosperous and, and living fulfilled, challenging lives. And that was a huge issue for me. Once that was, was snapped and I could see that wasn't true at all. And I could, I could begin to understand everything else just began to flow. And I was able to make some quick decisions that were lifetime decisions. One of which is, I think I am called to do this full time. I want other people to recognize, no, this is really what Jesus said. Now, this is part of the reason why I asked you to start with 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, or 3 John 2, is because this is like one of the easiest targets for people that don't buy into God having a, a health and wellness as a priority or that God promised or, you know, that's something that God will intentionally supernaturally get involved in with his people. People that don't buy into that, this is one of the easiest targets for them because when a guy like me says, hey, let's look at that and think, isn't that wonderful? See, that's God's promise. They're like, whoa, time out, time out. You're not reading your Bible correct because actually this was a greeting that John wrote in a letter to a leader named Gaius. And it was a pretty common greeting of the day. So he's opening the letter. Hey, how you doing? You know, how are things? Hope you and your family's doing well. But instead he said, I pray or I wish that above everything else that you're prospering and you're in health. And so they point to that and they say, see, that's bad theology or bad Bible interpretation to use this scripture to point to that particular issue and say, see, God wants us to be healthy and prosperous. And, and here, here's, here's how I would respond to that. You are absolutely right and you are 100% wrong. You're right, because if you come from one of the, the segments of Bible theology, then you want to grab a passage, and you want to read the passage as the writer intended, in the context that he intended, and who's he communicating to, what was the intended truth that that person needs to walk away with, and in that respect, yes, this is a greeting, and therefore, to build a whole belief system on it, ah, you're going to be on shaky foundation. But there's another part of Bible reading and Bible interpretation that's called systematic reading or systematic theology. And that's where you don't just read one passage in, in its particular context, but you take that passage and then you back up and you see what the Bible says from cover to cover about this subject across the board and you build a system, a layered belief. And you say, yeah, but, but what God's really saying? And when you run this one through the systematic interpretation, you find out this is perfectly in line with God's heart, with God's character, and with God's promises all the way through the Bible, demonstrated, validated in the lives of people. This is perfectly in line with, with his heart. And so you realize, okay, so we, we can say this greeting then becomes a reflection of the heart and the promise of God for his people. Now, for some that would still argue with that, let me just grab some, some passages that are intended to be broad, so that you can, uh, you can understand this. So I'm going to look at the book of Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5. Listen, this is one of those principles that the author wrote so that everybody could appreciate and enjoy. In fact, a lot of the Proverbs, you don't even have to be a Christian. They're just real common sense about the laws of how life works. And you can benefit from those even if you're not a Christian. But listen to this particular one. He's clearly talking about a relationship with God. He begins in verse 5 and says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. And shun evil, listen to verse 8, for this will bring health to your body 
and nourishment to your bones. It's a cause and effect. It's a guaranteed divine cause and effect. This is actually how life was designed to work. Go on to verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then, here comes the cause and effect again, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over to new wine. Now, I don't care if you're using Bible theology or systematic theology or any of the other hermeneutics, interpretive things. Listen to me. If you read this passage, if you want to accept the trust and the submit and the honor portions of it, then you have to accept the other portions as well. You don't get to pick and choose. It's not a buffet. You listen to what God said. And there's a direct connect, a divine promise in you trusting and submitting and honoring God in all areas of your life. And you'll see a divine flow of effect. It's the same thing Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and the right way. And all of these other things get added. Paul's talking to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And if you back up and look, all of chapter 8 and all of chapter 9, he's talking about money. He's talking about offerings and generosity. He's challenging them. They used to be super generous, and now they've kind of waned off that a little bit. And he said, listen, you need to excel in this grace again. You need to kind of pick that up and and understand how this works. And and he's challenging them to be really generous givers. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I feel like there's a dramatic pause there where he's like, well, you, you know about that, right? I mean, you, you've heard about this. You've studied about this. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of spiritual people would say, well, yeah, you know, he died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and we can go to heaven one day. Well, well yeah, that, that's like the main theme. But you do understand the other ramifications of the grace of the Lord. And in case you don't, Paul goes on and he says that though he was rich, For your sake, he became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Listen, if you're going to accept the attribute of grace and you're going to accept the principle of generosity, you also have to accept the promise of health and of wellness and of the return that comes attached to it. These are not onesie twosies. I'm telling you, you just read across your Bible. There are hundreds of scriptures that lists this cause and effect, this promise from the Lord. And so anybody who struggles like I used to with, yeah, I just, but I just don't think that's a big deal with God. And it's like, I just got to do the best I can. I got to have a good character, have a good heart, just trust the Lord no matter what. And one day when I get to heaven, it's going to be awesome. But right now it's not. You've got a distorted view of what your heavenly father wants in your life. And you can prove that out pretty simply. Just read your Bible. It's all over the place. Let me me go to the ditch on the other side of the road, which I found myself in shortly after this one. And here's what that ditch says. It says that health and prosperity are key evidences of God's blessing. Some people would see this as, well, that's the heartbeat of the prosperity message. Maybe, um, maybe it's the fringe teachings that get, you know, unscriptural and unbridled. I don't know. Here's what I know. When I begin to understand that God does have a plan for wellness and he's a heavenly father that loves me at least as good as my earthly father did, only he's a whole lot richer and a whole lot smarter and he wants me to do well, I begin to search the scriptures, especially going into ministry and understanding, well, how do I trust you? And how do I honor you? And how do I look to you as my source? And God began to show up. 
He began to teach me. But I was going through this one particular financial challenge, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to the Lord, and I'm doing all the things that I learned to do. I'm tapping into the source. I'm meditating on the promises. I'm, I'm feeding on his faithfulness. I'm praying and declaring that God will do what he promised he would do. And one day I was in my prayer and devotion time, and I could feel the Holy Spirit you know, whisper something to me on the inside. And here's what he said. You know that you've slipped into a place where you're believing God so that you can get, have enough resources where you don't have to believe God anymore. Oh, he was right. This was just, this wasn't about my devotion to the Lord and my real trust in him. This was about just getting to the place where I was financially stable so I don't have to do this stuff anymore. And I began to see that suddenly, now I was still really young, really small in this endeavor. So suddenly the the dial was, was beginning to change and he brought me back to ground zero. And see, this is a dangerous theology for us to look at this and, and say, well, listen, I'm blessed. Look, I got money and I'm, and I'm really in good health. I'm in great shape. And look, our family's kind of cool looking, you know, we're trendy and we're good. So therefore, see, the Lord is really blessing my life. Maybe. But that's an oversimplified and a really dangerous theology to get into. And let me give you two basic reasons why. The first one is because even though the Bible does consistently reveal that the Heavenly Father wants you to be healthy and He wants you to prosper. There's no question about that. He wants to divinely will supply that. He wants this. However, if you use it to validate your spiritual state or your spirituality, your relationship with God, the first thing that'll happen is you will ignore the warnings that scripture give you about the potential drift that happens when this health and this wealth comes because they're seductive. They're alluring and you can drift really fast. And the Bible's full of scriptures that warn you about this. The second thing that I think is more insidious and more dangerous is when, when you believe that that's a measurement, that's the key measurement of God's blessing, then you put a spiritual cloak over things that are forbidden by God, things like greed and covetousness. Well, no, let, let me tell you why I'm just praying all the time. I just pray, pray, pray. God, prosper my business. God, just help us to get more. Just God. Well, and, and you think, see, no, because God wants me to do this, well, yeah, but he, he wants the promises to be inside of the parameters. And you won't pay attention. You'll even get spiritual about it. You'll put a cloak over this, and all of a sudden, covetousness and envy and greed becomes a righteous thing, not a wrong thing. Now, let me read you a few scriptures uh, in, involving prosperity and health so you can see what I mean about the cautions. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, here's what, here's what Paul is writing to this young pastor. He said, those who want to get rich, stop. If you had time to study the language, this is talking about the drift. Something has shifted. We're not talking about people who want to be healthy and be prosperous. Everybody does. We're wired by God because God's healthy and God's prosperous and we're his kids. We're talking about somebody who's drifted on the dial and that's all that they can think about. That's their number one thing every time they're praying. God, just make, just make me rich. God, just help, just, just help me to be successful. Lord, just help me to build up this and build up that. Lord, I just need to make this sale. Everything is about that all the time. He says, those that want to get rich fall into temptation and into a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Why? Verse 10, for or because the love of money, not the money itself. God's generous. God is rich like you can't even believe. 
He says, the, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Not just greed, not just covetousness. That's what opens the door and all kinds of other stuff begins to come in. And he said, goes on and says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many greed. I know these people. Right in church, man, Bibles open, pens in hand, understanding, Lord, I'm desperate. Just help me to understand, you know, how to get out of debt and how to be successful. And as the Lord did what he promised he would do, you don't see him in church. Eventually, their lives begin to crumble. Their marriages fall apart. Their kids, you know, don't serve the Lord and don't move to the next generation over and over and over again. This is exactly what the Bible says. It's a dangerous, dangerous thing. Listen a little later in the chapter. We're at verse 16 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, command those that are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. That's a hard thing for me as a pastor to hear because he's not saying, you know, encourage them, inspire them. He's saying, listen, when you see this happening, you need to get really aggressive. I mean, you, you need to walk and say, listen to me, you know that I love you, right? You know that I would never say anything unless I thought it was for your benefit, but I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, you better back off. You better kind of relax, take a breath here, because there's something about wealth that all of a sudden inflates the pride. If you do well financially, you think you know everything about everything. You should be the one to make all the decisions because after all, look how well I'm doing in my business. And he says, whoa, hold on for a second. This is not the sum total of everything. And then he goes on, he says, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us, listen to this, with everything for our enjoyment. This is why God wants us to prosper and be in health. Well, but it's for the kingdom, it's for the kingdom. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about the purpose but you know the number one reason why God wants you to prosper and be in health? Because you're his kid and he loves you. We all want our kids to do that. Of course we want them to be productive in society. But first I just want them to be happy. And I just want them to be doing well and feel fulfilled and, and rich in their life and be balanced. And, and this is what God wants. Verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share in this way. They will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. If you keep reading, you'll find out he's not talking about we take hold of eternal life one day, talking about we take, it, take hold of life to the full and then that moves to eternal life and just exponentially graduates. God's plan is wellness. He wants it to be wellness, but he doesn't want wellness to have us. Let me take it into health real quick. Uh, I'm going to kind of skip a stone because we don't have time. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, one book later, he, he's talking about these, these, these end times, these perilous times. And so I'm going to skip a rock because we don't have time to read it all. But listen to this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible perilous, dangerous times. And, and he doesn't list anything about wars and pandemics and none of those external things that we would say, why is the world so dangerous today? Everything he's talking about is a shift in the hearts of men. You can't rely on people to have common sense. You can't rely on people to have a moral fabric, a moral baseline to just basically do what's right. Things begin to shift in the world and accelerate to where it literally is everybody, every man for himself. He says, that's what makes the world so dangerous. And so he goes on and he says, there will be terrible times in the last days. Listen to some of the descriptions. For people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money. No more giving generosity. No more honoring God with the first fruits. No more of that stuff. It's all about me, 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 me. 
Not only that, he goes on, he says, without self-control. This is excessiveness in every area, in your spending, in your activity, in your, the things you do recreationally. It's not, it's not bad to do any of those things, but people begin doing them excessively to the point, I don't have time for church. I don't have time for the things of God, for wellness and the spiritual component. I'm so busy filling up my tank with all the other stuff. And he said, this is going to be like common culture. He goes on, he says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. If it ain't fun, if it's not cool, if it's not trendy, if it's not easy and quick and convenient, eh, I'm just not into that. That's not really what I want to do. This is going to be the culture. Verse 5, he says all this together and a number of other things, he says, will create a form of godliness, but will deny its power, the real supernatural. This is really God's thing. And here's what he says to those that are still trying to follow the Lord, have nothing to do with such people. That doesn't mean you can't, you can't be acquainted with them, not salt and light anymore. It means don't attach your life to them because they will drag you right out to sea with them. He says, don't do that. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? Listen, you are not your own. Like, you don't, you don't know that? You don't own your body. You're leasing your body. You're, you're living in like kind of a rented space. You're leasing your body, but one day your body, you'll be done with your body. It will fall to the ground. Everything that not only is your body's made up of, but all the things that keeps your body going, the oxygen, the nutrition, all of that belongs to the Lord, everything. And one day you'll stop, you'll stop being renters in this space and you'll drop that to the ground and you'll move on. And when that happened, the lights will come on and you'll think, oh, because I kind of acted like I owned this. Like this is my body, my choice. <laughs> you need to read your Bible. He goes on, he says, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. When he says honor God with your bodies, he's not saying, you know, he's not just saying don't dishonor God with your body. So don't do any of the bad stuff. The emphasis is on no what are you doing with this physical energy container? What are you doing to actually honor God? To show people say, oh, so obviously you're, you're taking care of somebody else's property, somebody else's possession. And this is the whole idea. Here's the last one scripture I'll read, and then I'm going to bring you right to the close here. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, listen to this. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, we all know what a sacrifice is, especially if you peeked into the Old Testament, where they would take, you know, the lamb or the oxen or what have you, and they would, they would kill it, lay it on the altar, light a big fire, and it would be like this, you know, incredible cookout that God could smell, and there, but, it, but it was very sacrificial. The, the, the difference is, in the Old Testament, the sacrifice was dead. The animal was killed and then put on the altar. Paul's borrowing that and bringing it over and saying, yeah, you're supposed to be a sacrifice too, and you're supposed to die to your own view, to your own preference, to your own approaches, to your own aspirations, and you're supposed to sacrifice yourself on the altar to the Lord. Now, here's what's interesting about a living sacrifice versus a dead sacrifice. Once the fire gets lit, living sacrifices have a habit of crawling off the altar. Ah, uh, that's not what I signed up for. No, that's too hard. No, that, that just doesn't work for me. No, I, and so they have a habit of crawling off the altar because I, I just don't like all that intensity. But he goes on and he says, no, you need to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. In other words, there's a lot of times this is not going to please you. You're not going to like it. 
This is going to go completely against the grain of what you wanted to do. But notice this. He said, because this is your true and proper worship. That phrase true and proper in the Greek is the Greek word logikos. And it literally is where we get the word logic. And here's what he's saying. When you've given your whole life to somebody, the most logical thing you can do is, okay, then stop doing what you want to do and lean into the relationship. Isn't that what marriage is all about? You're giving your life away to somebody else and you can watch the marriages when the couples walk away and they literally are saying, okay, I'm not single anymore. What I want to do is not the priority. It's what's best for the relationship. For us, the most logical thing to do is lean into the relationship, but you can just watch those couples that a couple weeks after the honeymoon and they're right back to living independent. You just set your watch. This is not going to work. Doesn't end well. And this is exactly what the Bible is saying. The most logical thing you can do if Jesus is really your Lord and Savior is then to lean into the relationship and do it his way, partially because there's all these phenomenal promises. All right, let me quickly end here. Here's the balance view, and I'm going to take you right back to 3 John chapter 2. Notice this. He says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and you be in health just as your soul prospers. Let's just kind of skip through and and understand what this means. First of all, the term beloved helps us to realize it's not just a greeting. Beloved is used 62 times in the New Testament and every single time it's talking to those that are loved by God. It's talking to God's people here. And so here John's writing to a man named Gaius, obviously a leader in the church, And he's writing to him, recognizing that it's not just to you, but it's to all of God's beloved. And the entire letter is to be passed on to the church, passed on to God's people. And so we we can securely say that even though it's a greeting, this is God talking to us. Let me skip past the word prosper for just a minute and look at the word health, because the word health is not just physical health. We kind of know that, but when we read it in the Bible, we just think about our physical bodies. But the word health here comes from the word where we get hygiene. That's kind of interesting, but it means to be sound in body or it means to have sound health. However, it's used a number of times elsewhere in the New Testament to talk about soundness in your thinking, soundness in your, in your understanding, soundness in your believing. And that makes sense because when we look at the overall picture of health in the Bible, just like we understand in our everyday world, health is not just your physical body. It has to do with your mind, with your emotions, with kind of the inner process. How are you processing things and how are you living? What's your attitude? What's your outlook on life? Well, when he says here that he wants, God wants his people to be in health, it's not just physical health. He wants you to be like super healthy and grounded, super healthy and balanced in your thinking. And that ebb and that flow, that mutual interdependence is working in your life. And you're just moving forward in life the way that God wants you to do it. Now we can get to the word prosper. Uh, The word prosper in our materialistic society usually clicks right to money or resources or stuff, but that's not really what he's talking about, although it's included. The, The word prosper here literally means to have things go well or to have a successful and an easy journey or to keep pushing forward and making progress. So you're not stagnant, you're not stale, or you're not being knocked backwards, but you're steadily just keep moving forward and you're you're being productive. You're gaining ground in every area, including your finances. And this is what all this means, which helps us then to understand when he says our soul prospering, it literally comes from the Greek word where we get psychology and psychiatry. It's the Greek word suke. It's pronounced, but it's, it's spelled like, like, a, like psychology and, psych, and psychiatry. 
And what it literally means is it's talking about a person's mind, a person's will, a person's emotions. But again, deeper than that, how all of those come together and develop the essence of the individual. This is who you are. This is who you're known for. It's not just what you think. It's not just your perspective, but it's the way you process and the conclusions you come to. And he says, listen, I want you to be healthy in the way you balance your life. I want you to be constantly moving forward and fulfilled in a right and purposeful direction. And I want, and all of that will happen as the way you think and the way you understand and the way you process is, is healthy and, and, and lines up to God. Then it releases these other areas to begin to flow. This is God's plan. This was his idea. You don't have to talk him into it. You don't have to beg him for it. You just need to come back and see what, what's the God telling you and what's the Holy Spirit directing you and begin to line up. And just like Jesus said, all these things will just come be added. They'll just begin to flow to you. Two summarizing thoughts, and I'm closing here. Number one, I want this to stick with you. Wellness is God's way. It just, it's his plan. If you're worried about it, if you're like, oh, I don't know how God feels, I'm just telling you how he feels. Open your Bible cover to cover. God wants you to be healthy. He wants you to prosper. And he wants it to happen from the inside to the outside. Here's the last thought that we'll keep developing as the series goes on. The key to wellness, it's pretty simple. It's stay with God. Do you know that God from cover to cover, he's never faltered. He's never failed. He's never even come close to losing a victory. I don't care how big the challenges are. He's like, Psh. I'm God. And he just powers through it. Listen to me. If that's who your heavenly father is, if you stick with your heavenly father, he will never let you falter. He will never let you fail. Listen to me. In the last days, God has a magnificent plan for his people and his church to prosper and to be in health in the middle of a world that's filled with chaos. We're going to see scriptures. I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture. If you'll read your Bible, if you'll listen and allow the Holy Spirit to develop faith, God wants you to live well. Hope you've been blessed by God's Word. Close your eyes and bow your head. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the richness of the Word of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the teacher, helping us to untangle and, and approach such a complex area, but to be able to find truth and to find the, the straightness of God's word that will lead us through it. I'm praying for everybody in here, no matter where they're at in their relationship with you. If they've never accepted you, Holy Spirit, let this sweeten the deal. Lead them to repentance because of your kindness and your goodness. Help them to see who you really are at your heart. Lord, if they're here today and they're facing some big challenges and they're discouraged or tired or they find themselves in the hole or, you know, behind the eight ball or then help them to encourage and say, that's not a problem for you. You're the divine rescuer. You're the great redeemer, the great restorer, the great rebuilder. All of these things are part of your plan for wellness. And I pray today in Jesus name that we would leave here with clarity. We would leave here with conviction. And we would leave with a growing courage in our heart that we would begin to live and follow you so that you could bring us into wellness. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.